December 25th was not the day that Jesus entered into the world he created. It was not the day that a young mother cried out in anguish as she gave birth to that long-awaited baby boy. It was definitely not the day that child breathed his first breath of, bro of this broken world. It was not the day that, that his cries disturbed the Bethlehem livestock. December 25th was not the day that God became man to rescue man from the wrath of God. But December 25th is a good day to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Why? Because in the ancient world, the end of December was by far the most frightening time of year. Before artificial light, when the sun set, darkness set in. It overwhelmed everything. And during the short days of December, darkness seemed to be dominating and all-powerful. And when the sun went down, all light seemed to flit away in the face of the brute force of darkness. And people, nightly, were left to scurry to whatever shelter they could find and gather around a flickering fire to beat back the cold and dark one night at a time. But even the youngest child at that time and at this time knows that darkness could be pierced by even the faintest of lights. Darkness cannot consume light. Light always punches a hole in darkness. There is no darkness so dark that light can't push it back. Any light. It's said that even in the pitch dark blackness, a lit match can be seen 20 miles away. The light always shines through the darkness. And Christmas is a celebration of light. Not just the light that pierces the deep December nights, but the arrival of the light from heaven. Christmas is the celebration of the resplendent glory of heaven come in the face of Christ on earth. An old Christmas hymn called A Rose Has Sprung Up speaks of the light of Christ this way. O flower, whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air, dispel with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. True man, yet very God, from sin and death now save us, and share our every load. O Savior, child of Mary, who, help, who felt our human woe, O Savior, King of glory, who does our weakness know? Bring us at length, we pray, to the bright courts of heaven and to endless day. And today we peer again at the light of Christ that with his glorious splendor will dispel all darkness. His light shines and cannot be extinguished. And from that lonely night so long ago, Jesus continues to shine in our dark and evil world. Frank, last week, introduced us to the light of Christ in the Old Testament and the prophecy of the coming of the light of Christ. And today we look in John chapter 1. The light of Christ does not just dispel 
the darkness of this fallen world, but the light of Christ also dispels the darkness resident in our lives. The light of Christmas shines, and we must come and keep coming to the light of Christ. We must come and keep coming to the light of Christ. And this morning, I'm going to read what I read earlier in John chapter 1. We're going to focus on verses 4 and 5, though. So if you have a Bible, follow along as I read some of the most famous texts, one of the most famous texts in the whole of Scripture. Verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now the section we'll focus on this morning, verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Lord, before we... Before, we, before I begin to preach your word, Lord, I just want to confess, Lord, how unworthy, how limited, how vulnerable I feel with your word open here on the pulpit. But Lord, the point is not how I feel. The point is who you are. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us all to be able to just hear from your word as it is expounded. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to have ears to hear, have heart, hearts to apply, I pray that you would open the eyes of the blind. I pray that you would awaken the sluggish. I pray, Lord, that you would afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. And, Lord, I pray that you would do these things by the majestic power of the preaching of your word. May your light shine all the brighter here this morning. In our lives, in our church, and everywhere we go. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Two simple points this morning. First, the darkness of mankind. Now, John famously describes Jesus in verse 1 as the Word. If you have a Bible, you can look and see the W in Word is capitalized. So what we learn is that Jesus, we learn that the Word is eternal and co-equal with God. Jesus is not God, Jr. He is God. And the Word was sent into the world to reveal the Father to all of mankind. And we learn also that the Word was the agent through whom all things were created. But then we run into this little ambiguous phrase in verse 4. It says, in Him, that's in the Word, that's in Jesus, was life. In Him was life. The Word that was with God and was God, in that one is life as opposed to in mankind. See, that's the idea. In him, the word, in that one, that he had life. That means that Jesus was the one who breathed life into the dust of earth, at, into the dust that, was, that became mankind in Genesis chapter 7. We read it here. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Before the man had the breath of life breathed into him by Jesus, he, would not, he was not living. Why? Because in him, not in us, but in him, in Jesus, in the word, was life. The breath of life 
came from the word of life, Jesus Christ. Therefore, the word of life breathed life into all of mankind. You are alive, not because of your strength, but because of his gift given to you. Life did not just spring up, but Jesus gave life to all mankind of himself. And he shared his life with us. And we read this. In him, verse 4 again, was life, and the life was the light of men. Now to say that the life was the light of men does not mean male as opposed to female. But it means mankind or all of human beings. The life was the light of all mankind. So notice the progression here. He breathes life into us, and we have life. And now, John says, that life is the light of mankind. What does that mean? It means that the life we have from Christ is light, meaning we're given powers of reasoning above and beyond all creation upon the earth. It's another way of saying that mankind and mankind alone is made in the image of God. Further, it means that God created mankind through Jesus to be both physically and spiritually alive. But in the greatest tragedy, in our tragic story as a race, mankind turned from the light of life to the darkness that brings death. See, in the Bible, light means life, and darkness always means death. You see, though, darkness is not just the absence of light, but the presence of evil. Darkness is not just in our world, but it's in our lives as well. That's how Isaiah uses the imagery here in Isaiah chapter 8. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously, contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. They will look toward the earth, and behold, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. Notice the progression. When people complain here, they're thrust into darkness because darkness equals evil. And mankind has collectively turned our faces away from the light of life and has been plunged into the deep darkness of death. And when death came, distress came, and unending gloom came. This now is the thick darkness that envelops our whole world. The darkness of death, the darkness of sin, ravages our world. If you don't believe me, just watch the news. Death claims the old and the young indiscriminately. Death comes to a people in a variety of ways. Sometimes death steals over us through maladies like leukemia, COPD, heart disease, stroke, cancer, diabetes, overdoses, dysentery, tuberculosis, Alzheimer's. Death is happy to claim people through the clutches of starvation, poison, car accidents, tornadoes, political tyranny farming accidents, mine cave-ins, mugging, terrorism. Death, death darkens this world through drug cartels and miscarriages, parents who abandon their kids, autism, homelessness, mudslides, kidnapping, 
unfaithful spouses, aneurysms, school shootings, dementia, alcoholism. Death is everywhere, and it has enveloped our whole world. But also, humanity does not just inhabit a dark world. We collectively, as a race, love the darkness. You might think, that's a little harsh. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Jesus had to say to a religious leader named Nicodemus. Verse 19 of John chapter 3, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness. And the people, I'll read that again, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. See the connection? Darkness, evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. So from no greater source than Jesus, we hear that mankind doesn't just live in darkness, mankind loves the darkness. This means that we, as a race, would rather pursue our own interests and go our own way. We'd rather do what we want, when we want. We'd rather be our own masters. We'd rather do what's right in our eyes. We'd rather do what feels good rather than what is right. Why? Because mankind's mind, mankind's collective heart, is darkened. And it means the way we are broken, that naturally we love the darkness of evil instead of the light of Christ that brings life. Now we might not act morally, e act equally upon the evil that is resident in our hearts, but it is there. How far mankind has fallen. Verse 4, we once had within our race the life of the light of men. And we turned and loved darkness. And in our world, and maybe in your life, the darkness seems so powerful. The darkness seems so all-consuming. Evil seems to hold such sway in our world. Many who get ahead are content to use and step on other people to get what they want. So often our leaders use their positions to, not to serve, but to be served. People are more interested in power than serving the powerless. And in our world, increasingly, evil is not just tolerated, but celebrated. Mankind not only lives in the darkness, but loves the darkness. And you know what? If we're honest, there's a part of each of us in this room that loves the darkness and shrinks from the light. Mankind, collectively, in his natural state, is in darkness. But there's something more powerful than darkness, and that's the light of Christ that shines. Look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This short sentence carries a lot. I'm taking it in a couple parts. First, notice verse 5, the first two words, it says, the light. 
not light in general. This verse is not merely announcing the fact that light shines in the darkness. It's not meant to give us a, a lesson on the properties of light. This verse is talking to us about a specific light. Notice, the light. He doesn't say a light, but the light. Verse 5 is a declaration that the light, the one and only Christ, is the one who shines into the darkness. Jesus, the light, has come to this dark world. The one who first called forth light and breathed life into the dust of earth, that one has come to his people and they did not receive him. He came to shine into their dark world to rescue those trapped in this evil, dark world. The light would not, does not, allow darkness to dominate. The evil that overtook this world and engulfed all of mankind could not and would not be allowed to reign forever. The light has come. And friends, the darkness has no answer for it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not and will not ever overcome it. That's the truth of the light of Jesus. The truth of Jesus is the, the, the story of his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his future return. That message is the only light that illuminates and gives hope to our dark and evil world. That message, the gospel message, is the only light that can illuminate our dark and evil hearts. At times, humanity, even aside from Christ, realizes how dark this world is. But despite all of the technological advances, despite any level of altruism or hope of unity or philanthropy, we cannot chase away this evil darkness. We cannot push our, the darkness back alone. Only the light of Jesus can shine into the darkness of our world. And how did this light begin to shine? We know because of Christmas. But if we were to read the words, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, and we didn't know the story of Christmas, we might imagine that light came by explosion of some kind of heavenly power that everyone on earth would gape at in awe. Or maybe we would think the light of a trillion angels would come forth from the presence of God to shine. But the light dawned in a backwater town no one had ever heard of from a young couple. The light became a baby. Chambers describes it this way. The tremendous revelation of Christianity is not the fatherhood of God, but the babyhood of God. God became the weakest thing in his own creation, and in flesh and blood he levered it back to where it was intended to be. No one helped him. It was done absolutely by God manifest in human flesh. God has undertaken not only to repair the damage, but in Jesus Christ the human race is put in a better condition than when it was originally designed. So how would the light dawn and the conqueror begin to conquer? By becoming a baby. God's answer to all the darkness that terrorized, that terrorized mankind was a child, a baby. Now, when we think of strength, when we think of symbols of power and strength, we don't think baby. We don't think wriggling 
cooing little babies when we think strength and power. You ever get in a fight, you don't think, I gotta go get a baby. Just a second. We don't name our battleships or our space shuttles baby. Why? Because they're weak. They can do nothing for themselves. But yet, the baby who came, born in Bethlehem, that one that nobody was really looking for at the time, would become the dawning of the light. That helpless, defenseless, vulnerable, entirely dependent, feeble, fragile baby that was born in Bethlehem was the dawning of the light. You see, in the birth of Jesus, God was showing that he had the strength to overcome all the force of darkness, all the force of darkness that his enemies could throw at him by becoming weak and humble. It's as if he's saying at Christmas time, I will show my strength over the power of darkness by becoming fragile. Because in his weakness, he is stronger than any of the forces of darkness. And the powers of darkness had no answer for the power of God. The power of evil had no answer for the goodness of God. The darkness that reigned stood no chance against the light of Christ born in Bethlehem so long ago. The light had come. And the darkness could not overcome it. Notice how John describes the light. Look again at verse 5. The light shined in the darkness. Nope, that's not exactly right, is it? The light will shine in the darkness. Nope. But the light shines in the darkness. Today, now, and forever. It's present tense. And if you look at John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 through 4, you're going to see a whole host of past tense verbs. Let's look at them, and then we see, bang, verse 5, something in the present tense. Let's look at back. If you have a Bible, look. I'm going to show you all the past tense verbs. In the beginning was, past tense linking verb, the Word. And the Word was, past tense again, with God. And the Word was, past tense again, God. And He was, past tense, in the beginning with God. All things were made, past tense, through him, and without him was not, past tense, anything made that was made, past tense. In him was life, past tense, and the life was the light of men. All past tense, then the light, boom, shines. Now. Not shined. Not will shine. But today. See, this is why Christmas matters now. The light of Jesus still shines. He has not been extinguished. He cannot be extinguished. The light that dawned so long ago shines today. It has not been put out. It cannot be put out. We cannot speak. We must not speak of the light shining in the past tense. Except for one day. Except for one time. There was a day long ago where the light was put out. There was one time and only one time when it was appropriate to speak of Jesus in the past tense. The deepest darkness that ever fall, fell upon a man fell on Christ when he was affixed to the Roman cross. 
the sun above was put out as the one who thundered, let there be light, was being executed on that hill. All of the land was plunged into a thick darkness. And the Nazarene, he sunk into a deeper darkness. He was lowered to the perpetual blackness of the grave. He was dead. The light that was the light of men on that Friday was put out. Darkness fell and seemed to be in total control. On Friday, on Saturday, as the clock turned from Saturday to Sunday, but then early Sunday morning, something happened. The deep darkness of the grave had an explosion of light. The grave could not extinguish his light. The light that is Christ could not be contained by any darkness, even the deep darkness of the grave. Jesus arose proving the light does indeed shine in the darkness and the darkness has not, could not, and will never overcome him. And his light shines still. So friends, how do we respond to his light? How do we respond to this light? Well, we, keep, we come and we keep coming to the light of Christ. We come and keep coming to Jesus. Some of us here need to come to Jesus for the very first time. This is you if you're not following Jesus. Thank you for joining us this morning. Maybe there's a lot of things that you don't understand. That's okay. We can explain them to you. Maybe you have questions about who Jesus is, but here's what you need to know. There is no more important person who's ever lived than Jesus Christ. The reason is because Jesus came. As he came, he's not just, he was a man, but he was God the Son. He was eternally with God because he was God. And he left heaven. The glory of heaven, that if we were there right now, none of us would leave. He left to come on a rescue mission to, to come and live and die and rise again so that sinners like me might be able to have the hope of Jesus Christ. Is he illuminating your life? Do you follow him? How do you follow him? All you need to do is admit that you, like everyone else, are infected with the darkness of sin. Sometimes the shame and guilt that you carry around tells you to go isolate yourself and get away and be by yourself because there it's safer. But that's not what Jesus says. See, the message of the Christian gospel is to come and keep coming to Jesus. And that might seem frightening. You may be used to people using your failure and your weakness against you, but Jesus never does that. He knows your failure and your weakness. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. 
See, the answer to becoming a Christian is not to walk out of here and try to do, your, try to do better, but it's to look to Jesus who's done what we could never do. He shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot, will not overcome him. See, to become a Christian means that you admit you need his forgiveness. You admit you need the, dark, the light of Christ to shine into your dark life. And friends, even if you have come to church for a long time and you say, I believe in that Jesus, I believe he is who he said he was, I believe he died and rose again, that's not enough. You need to also believe that you carry within you darkness and sin that needs to be forgiven, that you need to come to him and transact with him personally to admit you personally need a savior. This is the message of hope that it can be all of ours, whether you're following Jesus today or not. Trust in Christ. Come and keep coming to Jesus. If you're here and you don't really understand, you have questions about what I just said, talk to a Christian. I'd be glad to talk to you afterwards as well. Now, some of us have come to Jesus in the past but need to keep coming. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we're not walking in the light of Christ. We do this whenever we come to terms and excuse our patterns of sin. Even as Christians, we can do this. Now, I'm not talking about those sins that we are struggling against. We all have sins we struggle against and fight and fight and fight. I'm talking about those sins that we have made a peace treaty with in our lives. And say, you know what? I can't fight that anymore. I am too tired. Or, maybe here you are living a secret life, a double life. And if you're honest, you've got more darkness in your heart than you'd like to admit. And it's easy to rationalize those things away. It's easy to say, hey, God's gracious. He is, certainly. But the reality is, sometimes, even as Christians, we stumble and we fall and we find ourselves in darkness. What do we do? Well, we come and we keep coming to the cleansing light of Jesus. The remedy for you is the same as it always has been. Come and keep coming to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness. Sometimes it feels like it's safer just to keep your distance from him, but it's not. It's deadly. Come to him and ask for forgiveness. He is eager to forgive and to restore. Why? Well, we saw it in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of Christ still shines. And when we take our darkness to him, when we take those sins to him, when we take that evil to him, he will forgive us. And the light of Christ will shine all the more in our lives and in our hearts. He ever, ever, and always shines. Come and keep coming to Jesus, the light of Christ. Come when you feel like it. Come when you don't. Come when you feel unworthy. 
Come when you feel worthy. Come when you're hurting. Come when you're depressed. Come when you're joyful. Come when you're grateful. Come when you're confused. But come and keep coming. However you find yourself this morning, come and keep coming to the light of Christ. He is the one, the only one, who shines in the darkness. He is the one and the only one who shines in the darkness and who has overcome the darkness. He's ours. Our Savior. Our King. The light of the world. Is the light of the world the light of your life? If not, He can be. Come and keep coming to the light of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know the status of every soul here, but I do know, Jesus, that you shine. I do know that there is no power in all the world that can extinguish your light. I do know that there is none of there are there is none of us that live in a place so dark that we can't come to you for illumination. And so, Lord, I pray for two kinds of folks this morning. I pray for those that are not following you, Lord. I pray for those here who are not Christians, Lord. I pray that you would give them the gift of conviction. I pray that that conviction, Lord, would not lead them to wallow in their sin, but their conviction would lead them to ask questions about who Jesus is and put their faith in you. Lord, I pray for those who are frustrated by their lives. I pray for those who are discouraged by their lives. I pray for those that know they're living in darkness and have secret corners of their lives that they've never opened up to anyone else. I pray for those people that you might show yourself to be the one who shines even in that darkness. And even that darkness, even that despair, even that guilt and that shame, Lord, you can overcome. I pray also for those of us who are believers, who've come to terms with different lifestyle choices, and who've come to terms or made a peace treaty with darkness. Lord, I pray that you would just give us the gift of conviction as well from the Holy Spirit, and I pray that we'd be honest with ourselves. Lord, where, how, or have I come to terms with darkness? And Lord, the remedy is to turn to you. And I pray that we would do that, Lord. I pray that we would be a people and a church, Lord, that when we are aware of the darkness in our own lives, that we turn to you and ask for help and ask for forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us toward you. I pray that we would put confidence in no one else and in nothing else. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to continually and, and always come and keep coming to you. For your light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, no matter what kind of darkness, cannot overcome it. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.